Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. So this brings me back to the blind man. In the book of John, you read of the story of this man who was born blind, and Jesus heals him. And then the religious leaders find out, and they're upset. They didn't want Jesus to heal on the Sabbath. They wanted the rules followed more than the healing. And I don't know about you, if someone I knew was suffering some kind of ailment and they experienced healing, however that healing happened, I would say no matter what, it's a gift from God to be healed from anything in any way. And I'm enormously grateful. Sometimes the healing is passive, such as when someone does a procedure or a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or a massage therapist. Other times the healing is an, a work over time with ourselves. We do different exercises or stretches, or maybe there's medication in an interim period of time. And this isn't a debate about which method is best, but again, coming back to vocation as integration. That word integration is hugely important, and I want that to be in the forefront of our conversation today. When the blind man was healed, the religious leaders weren't happy. They weren't like, oh, I'm so glad you're better. And that shows you the extent of their love or lack of love for the people whom they served. By the way, they also used ostracism as a go-to immediate punishment for anyone who dared dissent them, who, who dared toe the line or do anything different than they demanded such as when they grilled the parents of the blind men. They wanted to know all the details from them and was he born blind and how did he get better and why is he better as opposed to being happy? I'm glad your son is healed. That would have been a great community response. But instead, they seem to have enormous contempt for people who suffered because they believed that it was their fault. They had this belief, and they stated this in the narrative. You can read it, John 6 to 8. You can read their declarations of why this man suffered. You were born an unbeliever. You were born in sin. And they said this to the man born blind because he challenged them. And this is why I love him. He said, imagine this. This man heals a person born blind And this time he's speaking in the hypothetical. He's not really fully speaking of himself, which I love how he just receives his healing. He says, imagine this man who was born blind and this man opens his eyes. Who has ever heard of such a thing? And imagine this, how interesting, how strange that you don't know who this is. How can it be that you... The religious leaders don't know who this man is. How can anybody open eyes of a person born blind? How can anybody do a miracle unless he was from God? And this is what's so incredible about him. He had a character. And I wonder how much of his suffering fashioned that character And again, this is not a passive work. It's an integrated work. It was a choice he must have made on his perspective. 
Because Jesus healed many, many people, and not all of them came back and thanked him. Not all of them changed their life after, and not all of them worshiped him. Some of them, such as the man by, by the pool who had an infirmity, and he said, you know, every time he wanted to go in the pool to get healed, everyone would get there ahead of him. And Jesus says, well, do you want to be healed? And that's just an interesting question. And the man said, yes. And so he said, pick up your mat and walk. And so the man had to take an initiative instead of comparing himself to other people. And I've done this sometimes with my challenges. I look at my age or I look at other moms or other situations that I think, how come I'm going through this, but they're not? Not that I want them to go through it too. It just has this sense of feeling like, of believing that you know, God has either forgotten you or he's not blessing you or he's holding out on you. It's the exact same lie, by the way, that Satan talked about to the first couple, Adam and Eve, in the garden. He basically accused God of holding out on them of their blessings, that he was only giving them a short end of a stick. And if they did it Satan's way, then they could have even more than what God could give. So don't go down that road. If you're going through a hard time, it is a dark place and it only produces negative thinking and, and sadness and unnecessary added suffering that can prolong healing, that can make it more of a, a challenge to get out of that perspective. And definitely when I talk to different people like my parents or some of my friends who pray for me or uh, even at times an occasional counselor or therapist or a coach or someone, a physical therapist or someone who has a plan, someone who will listen, someone who can encourage you, that's also a healing too. Sometimes the healing comes in the lessons learned, in the change to our perspective, and that is also a good healing that can come, even if the, the situation might be slow to change. I remind myself of this as I go through it. I don't know about you. What helps you? You can post in the comments or think back what helps you when you've gone through a hard time. What helped you have a perspective, a positive perspective, not just a positive one, but maybe a grateful one, or what was something that you learned about yourself? I know for me, it was just not to take little things for granted, to let the little things go, to be grateful when I can go out on a walk or hike with my son, or when I can drive myself somewhere, where I can have a conversation or a work engagement and help someone, to be grateful for those moments when, you know, we're having a good time as a family and it can be tempting, too, if you're used to going through challenges to start to imagine, oh, great, what's next? I had a good day or a good hour. That means something bad is coming, coming to me. Um, it can really be easy to try to oversimplify our situations. So, again, bringing it back to integration and living an integrated life has a bit of nimbleness and flexibility to it, what we might call resilience. But I think it's more than that. It's I believe in an acceptance that sometimes it's not all or nothing, quote-unquote good and quote-unquote bad things can happen sometimes simultaneously. And it's how we respond and it's the Lord who can help us and how he helps us that that too is an act of salvation. 
it is not just whether or not God prevents suffering or hard things from happening, because clearly we live in a world where there's a lot of suffering. It's that he has a plan and he's working on it and we're part of that. So living an integrated vocation is how are we plugging into that plan and how are we empowering our communities? How are we committing to even simple daily humble acts like picking up our mat, like doing my different neck exercises, whatever it is for you that you need to do for your healing for some reason it can be really easy to not schedule that. It can be easy to deny it and just want to try to barrel through and keep going on with our life as before. And I suspect that may be one of uh, many reasons why, at least in the United States, there's many stress-borne illnesses because we don't give ourselves a lot of margin. We don't live an integrated life. It's a life where we tend to put things in compartments. And if you look at our suburbs and how we've designed those, it's definitely inherent in our design. We have this definite um, bias toward compartmentalizing things instead of integrating them. Back to the man formerly blind whom Jesus healed. So when he challenged the religious leaders, of course, they reacted and they said, you've been born a sinner. You were a sinner since birth. Of course, what made them not since birth, right? Um, But somehow they just had this delusion that they were untouchable. They were untouched by sin. They were untouched by suffering. And if they just put more rules on it, if they put people in these compartments, and the words you might hear used today are called, you know, when you marginalize someone, that's just another way to put someone in a compartment. Then, of course, they could be on top. And so they ostracize him from the temple. They kick him out and say, you can't come back. Go away. Um, you're a sinner. And so Jesus finds him later and he says, so who do you say the son of God is? Son of man. Look in the narrative and look closely for the words that Jesus uses. And the man formerly blind, the man Jesus healed says, who is him? Who is he? Show me so that I may know. Show me who he is. Jesus said, you have seen him and you know him. And yes, we know Jesus by the healing that he does. Now this man's response is just beautiful and precious. And it really shows a huge clue of how we can respond when the Lord touches our lives, when he heals us. He worshiped him. The man worshiped Jesus. Earlier, Jesus said also in the book of John that the works of God are to believe the one whom he has sent. So now we're full circle to an integrated vocational life as a Christian. And what does it all mean? Everything is details. Yes, we're faithful to steward our gifts. Yes, we're faithful and loving toward our neighbor to serve. Yes, we're faithful to be in fellowship as a church, to build out our community. And yes, we honor the great commission of Jesus that told people, that told the disciples, including us, the followers of Jesus, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. His gospel is one of integration. It is not just adhering to the rules of the in-group like the religious leaders did. It is not just arguing with other people who are different from you. He had a huge, bigger, almost meta story to what he was doing 
that he was coming to heal. That was his mission, and that is his salvation for us. And yes, it's a healing of sin and suffering, and yes, it's a promise of so much more, and we'll get into that in other episodes, but for today, just know that living an integrated life, a vocational life in the Lord, means connecting to his gospel and believing him first. Because it can be easy to almost worship the work itself to get to this place where you're stuck in that compartment trying to work on your gadgets and gizmos, whatever they might be and however important they might be, they do not trump Jesus. They do not go above doing those tasks in love and not just to other people, but again, the responsibility of healing means living an integrated life and taking care of ourselves. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the wind and the trees and this message of going outside, of connecting to you, of living a vocational and integrated life. Please help us become better at this practice of slowing down and caring for ourselves and one another and of worshiping you in all that we do. And please give healing and encouragement to us and all who need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.